In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We once again return to hear the message of the angels, telling of peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And perhaps tonight we are slightly more attuned to hear their song than we have been in recent years. We know the story, and we know it rather well. Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem to be taxed and registered for the census demanded from Rome. Mary is pregnant, and there is no room in the inn. We then shift scenes to a hillside just outside of Bethlehem to a group of shepherds who have a miraculous vision of first one angel, then myriad of angels who sing of God's glory, of peace, and of tidings of a baby who was born and laying in a manger. The shepherds make haste and find Mary and Joseph and the babe. I know I have heard this story for about 40 years, and some of you have heard it perhaps a few times more or a few times fewer than me. But there is something captivating about it, something that doesn't grow old, something even mysterious. I think part of it has to do with two aspects of the story that are juxtaposed against each other. The first is the ordinariness of it all. We can all relate to some of this story, even if we weren't born in or have ever delivered a baby in a barn. For example, how many of us travel often or travel for holidays? There is a sense of anxiety with each trip. What did we forget? Is the car going to have a flat tire? What if the flight is delayed? And given Mary's condition at the time, anyone I know who has traveled with a pregnant woman who is so far along in their pregnancy is usually concerned about when travel will need to end or what to do if they are caught out in an area without a hospital. We can also relate why the Holy Family had to travel, to pay a tax, and to register. I know that going down to the tax office is not the most enjoyable event, and it is some, something sometimes I dread. And then there is the room, or lack thereof. I don't think reservations were quite in vogue in first century Palestine. And besides, the inn would have probably been little more than a dormitory or a large open area with thin veils separating family units with very little privacy. All of this we understand because we have probably lived it at one time or another. But then there is the second aspect that is rather strange and peculiar. Angels singing, shepherds searching a city, a babe being placed where oxen feed on hay. And we also know some of the backstory, which is 
odd at best. Mary was visited by the angel Gabriel. The Gospel of Matthew records that Joseph had a message from an angel in a dream. In 12 days' time, we will celebrate the Epiphany, or the coming of the Magi, who follow a star. All of these things seem extraordinary, or beyond our usual natural world, or even beyond our comprehension. And this is exactly how it should be. God, through the birth of the Christ child, breaks into the ordinariness of our world, of our day-to-day -day routine, of our lives. And that is the beauty of what this night represents. God, in his infinite love, comes to us as a vulnerable babe, relying on the human world to nourish and sustain him, and to live as one of us. We call this the mystery of the incarnation. Now, that's a very churchy word, and you might need a definition. The best that I have comes from Charles Wesley's great Christmas hymn that we will sing later this evening, and it defines the incarnation in seven simple words. Pleased as man with men to dwell. God the Son was pleased to come and dwell with us, to take our very nature upon him and to be like us in every way. Perfect God and perfect man. Many of us would prefer to stay right here at the manger and say that this is the Jesus that we want to know. But Jesus will grow. He will grow up and begin to live a life just like the rest of us. He will work. He will be hungry. His parents will even lose him in Jerusalem, only to find him in the temple. St. Luke says that around the age of 30, Jesus will begin his ministry. Now we know how the story comes to an end. This baby that we celebrate, this gift of God, this incarnation, will eventually die on a cross, will be laid in a tomb, and will be raised from the dead. And in this life, and in this passion, we learn the fullness of God's love that we celebrate this evening. We learn the depths of the love of God. Tonight is the beginning of the story that we tell ourselves each year. And the reason we tell it is to remind ourselves of the significance of this event. 
just as we celebrate birthdays for family and friends or commemorate anniversaries or special occasions, we do all those acts to remember and refresh our understanding of what it all means. Tonight, we remember what love looked like when it came down at Christmas. And it is so much more than just a baby. We remember in this night the full potential of who Jesus is and what Jesus brings to us. Perfect redemption and salvation. So, as we remember a birth this evening, we must keep in focus far in the distance the cross and the resurrection. This story is incomplete without them. But let us linger here in this Christmas mystery for a little bit longer. Sometimes we rattle off clever little sayings like, Jesus is the reason for the season. And, and that's true. But I think that a fuller, a more perfect truth is this. That the birth of our Lord was to demonstrate his undying love to us and to the whole world. And so, to rephrase our little saying, our Lord's love for all of creation, for all of the world, for all of mankind is the reason for this season. One of the ways that we celebrate this love is by the giving of gifts to those whom we love, whether it is tonight, tomorrow, or as some of our Christian brethren do, they celebrate Christmas uh, gift-giving on January 6th. We practice that love by being unselfish. It isn't about the cost or the value or the necessity of the gift. We give gifts to each other because of our love and affection for our friends and our families. Now, we may give dad a new tie, or mom's new perfume, or our children's new bicycle, or a new game for the Xbox. But we do it out of love not obligation. And this is exactly how it is with Jesus our Lord. Our blessed Lord didn't come to us to be amongst us, to live as one of us out of some sort of obligation. No. He came out of Love. God's own gift of himself to us to show us how 
love. This has been a difficult and trying year for many of us, if not all of us. We have locked ourselves inside of our homes because of a virus. We've had a contentious political season that in many ways has not ended yet. Many churches around the globe, including this one, were closed for the public celebration of the liturgy, even as we were all learning how to host liturgies online. We have friends who we know have lost their jobs or who have lost their loved ones or have even died themselves. And sometimes I wonder if we really hear the song of the angels crying out, Peace, peace, peace and goodwill towards all people. And now we are back here to Christmas, ten months or so after our shutdown, after our way of life changed. If there is one thing to grasp, one truth to snatch and take hold of tightly. It is this. Our blessed Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whose incarnation we celebrate tonight, is with us through all of this. He has never abandoned us. And through this incarnation, being fully God and fully man, he knows and understands our sorrowing, our suffering, but also our joy, our happiness, and our love for each other. It is the ordinariness of this life that the love of God breaks into. So whether you are celebrating with family and friends during these next few days or are having to see each other on Zoom or Skype, know that the abiding presence of our blessed Lord is with you always. And that presence, the peace of which the angels sing, I wish you all a very happy, a very merry, and a very holy Christmas time. Amen.